Welcome to the new Ohioan podcast. I'm here with Craig and Brandon. Guys, debut day. How's it going? It's early, but it's fun, exciting. Yes, it is very early. Brandon, how did you get up this morning? Uh, I got up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we I don't, we're pretty crazy because we had it good, Chris. We were we moved a show from like uh, you know eight o'clock or nine and the at night to noon on Monday, which was great. Where we were awake. Now we right. we said no. We want to go back to that tiredness. We we crave oh, yeah. it. So we decided at six a.m. Let's do it. Actually, I'm I'm a better morning person. Now there's going to be some days where you guys are probably going to have to, you know, threaten me to wake me up. But I, I think I can make a go of it. I'm a little nervous though. I mean, I look tired. You guys look tired, but we're going to muscle our way through it. It's pretty good. So, Ohio podcast. We're very similar to what we did with the World of Pew podcast. Um, we're daily Monday for Friday. This is our first day. And we're going to be talking a lot about news, sports, and pop culture and try to inject a little humor and satire in, in the same thing. Um, it'll be good. And also, we have guests each day. Um, what we're going to do is we're releasing that as a separate podcast, but it's part of the Ohioan. So uh, last night, um, Craig and I talked to John Big Nut Peters. Uh, and Brandon Wolf was talking about that during our, our podcast. Um, Big Nut was at the game. He talked about going to the Sugar Bowl over the weekend where Ohio State had a big win over Clemson. And January 11th, they're playing for the national title. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, hey, we're doing news, sports, and pop culture. And, hey, we have drafted our co-founder, Brandon Klein, to be our newsman. So, Brandon, uh, tell us about the news, and we'll definitely comment on everything. Yeah, sure. Um well, we'll start off with the COVID. Um, so, you know, here in Ohio, we have like Governor DeWine was just giving an update last week about how the vaccine rollout would go in, um, particularly uh, some um, obstacles and hurdles, of course, getting it, um, the vaccine out there to people who need it, uh, again, inoculation. Um, particularly like in nursing homes, for instance, 60% uh, of the of nursing home workers were electing not to get the vaccine. Um, and I think that just speaks to the larger story about how um, there's that perception and concerns about the vaccine, that vaccine hesitancy um, is kind of contributing to the lower demand. So that's also part of the issues there too. Um, and um, didn't know if you guys wanted to have anything to say on that comment or. Yes, yes, definitely. I. I am not anti-vaccine, and I, I don't have any reason to doubt the vaccine from a conspiratorial standpoint or whatever. I'm, I'm kind of not sure if I want to go right away and get it. I'm not a big shot guy, and I'm not sure. I mean, Brandon, how are you feeling about this? Are, are, you, are you ready to run out and grab it when it first comes out? You know, I'm more of a, a late adopter myself. I think I will eventually get it. But then again, at this point, I think I'll – when it's my turn to get it, um, it's gonna, it's we're gonna have we're gonna have enough of a, of a, you know, enough cases to kind of determine whether, um, you know, uh, if there's any issues with the vaccine at this point um, by just you know, the way they've rolled it out. From my understanding, is certain groups get it first, frontline workers. Um, um, <laughs> certainly, some politicians have notably gotten it under yeah. much scrutiny. So. Um, particularly ones who've been very resistant to um, uh, mask, wearing masks, uh, social distancing parameters. 
um, or at least being very skeptical of the situation. But um, I think, um, you know, I think it's, it's, we should all, um, you know, consult with our doctors and, you know, focus on uh, doing what we think is best for us. Some people, you know, there were a couple cases where people got an analytic shock. So it depends on, you know, what's your history with vaccines? What's, so every individual case is different, of course. Well, I think with kids too, and again, it's not from a aspect of, oh man, it's going to kill us or, you know, quoting some really bizarre, weird conspiracy. I, I get nervous with kids now. I, I just don't know. But, you know, you're right. I think there's a little bit of a delay in us getting the vaccine. I will say one thing that we are investigating, you know, with my day job here at the um, Columbus Dispatch is we're kind of taking a peek and seeing where journalists stand. And technically, you know, Craig is more of a frontline journalist going out each day. Brandon, you and I are more of the editors slash, you know, web people uh, that don't have to go out and interview people. But uh, there's a chance I'm, I'm hearing that journalists could be in Ohio part 1B. So we might be eligible. Now, Brandon, you and I might be more Marco Rubioing it if we run out because we're really not in the field interviewing people. But, you know, Craig, Craig might be going out and grabbing it. I mean, Craig, are, are you out a lot talking to people with what you're doing now? Well, or? you know, I, I, I certainly haven't been in the office as much uh, over the past, you know, 10 months or so. But there have been uh, a few instances where we've been out in large gatherings, like when we had the president visit Clyde, Ohio at the Whirlpool plant. And uh, myself and the other reporter uh, covered that. He covered sort of the outside, you know, protests and and, uh, people, you know, supporting Trump outside. I covered the inside uh, speech that he made, but there were still dozens and dozens of people inside. So um, I'm I'm probably more along the lines of the supporter of the vaccine and would get it as soon as I'm allowed to. Uh, But also I agree with Brandon that maybe by the time, you know, we could get it that, you know, some of the bugs would be worked out or maybe we'd know a little bit more um, about it and, and maybe to make sure that it's in, you know, that 90%, 95% effective rate. So um, I'm, I'm excited for it. I've had people in my family that have had COVID. I've had people recover from COVID. I've had uh, a family member die from COVID. So uh, I'm sort of of the mindset that I would love to get the vaccine um, as soon as I can get it. Um, I, I do obviously, you know, you fear the unknown because you just don't know how it's, how the, the vaccine is going to be effect, you know, how effective it's going to be. But I think I've kind of put my trust in the, the science here and this, and, uh, I'm kind of excited and, and, you know, have a lot of anticipation. And, you know, now that you've said that we may, uh, the journalist may be in the one B category, I would certainly uh, be excited about that opportunity too. How many masks did you have to wear for the Trump rally? I mean, you probably had to well, have, like have 50 masks, you know, <laughs> wrapped around your face. I mean, I will say that they, they put on a good solid show or whatever you want to call it, a good, a good rally, but there were plenty of people that were not wearing masks outdoors. Thankfully, everybody indoors had to wear masks, so I felt pretty safe, and also we had to social distance. Um, but when you're in the bullpen with a bunch of journalists in the back, 
on how he, you know, how they usually had those rallies where everybody was kind of pushed in the back and journalists were kind of crammed together. You know, there certainly were, you know, you're always fearful of being in large groups of people from around the country, which is what I was being in that journalism bullpen back there. Um, but, you know, there's also a lot of people that were outdoors that were not wearing masks. And our other reporter, Daniel, had to go out and interview a lot of people. So certainly a lot of fear on that end, too, just, you know, my colleague getting it, you know, or, you know, him getting it, and maybe spreading it to some other people. But thankfully, he didn't. And everything kind of worked out pretty well. But, you know, you know, there's always a lot of fear when you're not used to going out. And then all of a sudden in August, hey, let's go out and see a couple thousand people. Brandon, I got to tell you, my first presidential rally I ever covered, I'm not sure if I ever told you this story, uh, was George W. Bush over at um, Canton. He was there to talk to some steelworker rally. And I found myself distracted because I was a huge David Gregory fan. Um, former Meet the Press guy who's, I think, doing some stuff with CNN now. And David Gregory was there. And we were crammed in. It was friendlier times, I guess, for journalists at that time. <laughs> but I found myself in awe, like, you know, staring at David Gregory. And he probably looked at me and said, who's that big-headed zilch looking at me? But, you know, it was fun. <laughs> Definitely enjoy it. It was good. All right, Brent, what else you got for us today? Yeah. Um, well, and then a um, couple, couple updates on, a, um, on the two um, – uh, police uh, shootings of those unarmed black men. Um, first off, Reverend Al Sharpton will be delivering the eulogy on Tuesday morning for Andre Hill and his family. Uh, service is going to be at 11 a.m. Tuesday at uh, First Church of God on Refugee Road in Columbus. Um, and um, civil rights attorney Ben Crump is also who's also representing the Hill family um, and also the families of George Floyd and some other Victims will also be expected to speak and issue a call to action. Um, and then, of course, a little bit sad just to see that this wound is like a wound being picked on here. But um, Casey Good, God's, uh, Goodson's Jr.'s family, excuse me, um, you know, who was also shot earlier in early December, his family's uh, was there some uh, someone apparently uh, um, fired a gunshot, fired gun um, near near uh, at the, near his mother's home. Um, on New Year's Eve. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of a bit of a sad time for, for these families. And, um, um, yeah, your thoughts. Well, and I think it hasn't been officially determined if that gunshot was related, um, right. you know, with that. But it's just a sad example of where we're at society-wise. I got to tell you guys, just a kind of a brief aside, uh, being here in Columbus, I haven't got to ask you yet, Brandon, New Year's Eve, my goodness, there was gunshots at New Year's Eve, you know, at the midnight, you know, when we became 20, 2021, had fireworks, it was annoying. But, you know, this sounded like it wasn't celebratory gunfire, and we're not sure if that was directly related to Casey Goodson. It just, it's sick. I mean, let's, I, I don't, really believe that racism is ever going to get totally figured out. I, I think we're just a weird, simple, awful society. But it's like just a shame. I mean, just let's figure this stuff out. I know Al Sharpton can be controversial to some people, but Al Sharpton is trying to get a message across. And I don't always agree with Al Sharpton on everything he says, but let's listen to the words. Let's calm down. And let's treat each other with respect. I mean, I, we didn't have a podcast the last two weeks, but it, all kinds of stories. Um, Danae King wrote a great story last week um, talking about how the um, the guy who shot Casey Goodson is a pastor at Madison County Church. 
And, you know, he's talking about how it's right to show aggression. Like he was saying that from the pulpit. I'm sitting here like, come on, you know, what's happening here? It's just tough. It's tough. I mean, how are we going to figure this out, Brandon? I mean, I think there's a lot of outrage when this stuff happens. And I think there's some good conversations that happen. But unfortunately, it seems like it's just still the status quo. Yeah, um, definitely some um, – the conversation continues, and this is – it's almost, um, um, you know, certainly not going to be – it seems all like you have to add at the end. It's certainly not the first shooting you've heard about. It's certainly not going to be the last one. That's yeah, sad truth about it. I mean, it depends on um, how each state is going to react and handle this situation here. Um, so all eyes on Ohio's uh, legislature, all eyes on local governments, particularly in Columbus. Um, that's the only takeaway we can really have objectively. We definitely, and Craig, I'll get to you, but we definitely want to get to our third story before we go too far in our news segment, because this election, and I, I will say this in case you're checking this out for the first time, we're news guys, and obviously we have opinions and we vote certain ways and everything else but we're trying not to make this a pro-republican pro-democratic podcast but obviously stuff happens and brandon share with us it's this election that was done in november 6th we thought and you know there's the inauguration of joe biden um scheduled for january 20th but the election squabbling just isn't going away and there was a lot of stuff happening this weekend what do you have there yeah um well um we have like, uh, there's um, apparently kind of um, uh, electoral votes, you know, across the states, you know, particularly in contentious battleground states, for the most part, been certified. Uh, Joe Biden's president-elect um, as of as of today. So we have, well, of course, the ballots need to be counted, and and uh, and has which has always been done in a very non-partisan. Uh, non-controversial way, but January 6th is the day when that's supposed to take place and there's going to be some objections raised. There's really not, the, it's not really been as um, newsworthy as it has been in the past. Uh, I mean, back in, um, during the 2004 presidential election, there was a couple challenges to the Ohio results, but that didn't go anywhere, of course. Um, but this year we have, uh, we're expected to have at least 11 Republican lawmakers said they, who said, uh, senators, who said they tend to support an objection to the electoral college vote. Um, and of course it's causing some turmoil in the Republican party. You got, you have Mitt Romney, you have uh, former house speaker, Paul Ryan come out saying this is, this is anti-democratic. Um, and then on top of that, you have um, um, Washington post came out with some recording of uh, Donald Trump asking uh, Georgia's uh, secretary of state to find me <laughs> the difference to win, to turn the Georgia outcome. So, um, um, it's just crazy wild stuff. Um, definitely, um, continuing the, uh, political debate of elections in America. Well, and the thing that confuses me, and let's just take a totally nonpartisan side into it. Hey, it's possible. There could have been some fraud, whatever. I mean, anything's possible. I, I don't want to sit here and say there's no way that anything was there. But you've got to follow procedures. You've got to unleash evidence. You've got to say, and not just saying, okay, I know this one guy that 
you know, voted wrong or tried to be funny and vote for his dead with his dead uncle's name or whatever else. I mean, that's one person. And yeah, that's prosecutable if that happens. But you've got to show tons of examples. And I'm not saying I've heard or I've heard rumor or there was this conspiracy read online. I mean, you've got to say, look, here's evidence, here's evidence, here's evidence. And Craig, we're getting the, I mean, it's January 6th. You got a certification that day. I mean, in our country, unless we're going to start breaking constitution, we inaugurate a president January 20th. It's based on election. And, and I guess my concern is if there was that much debate on are these election machines good or anything else, why wasn't this hashed out in March or April or May or June? If there was concerns about we're letting too many people vote absentee, why wasn't these objections mentioned earlier? I mean, Heck, it's January 4th right now. We're 16 days from inauguration. And even if Trump had a point, and it's not ours to judge if he does or not, but if he had a point, don't wait till the very end. You got to bring this crap up earlier. Yeah, I, I guess there's, no, there's just no evidence right now to suggest that there was mass voter fraud or illegal votes cast. And, you know, I know plenty of people that are on this conspiracy mindset, but I just don't see it. Um, you know, the 11 lawmakers have their reasons for possibly challenging this, and that's their decision to make. But at the end of the day, everybody said, okay, fine, if you're going to challenge this, give us the evidence to suggest that in, you know, the state of Georgia, for instance, which I understand, you know, it, it hasn't been a blue state since, you know, the Clinton era. But, you know, where's the 11,900 or 12,000 votes or 13,000 votes that suggest that this is voter fraud? Because at this point, there's just no evidence for it. Um, and I, I just think it's a challenge against our democracy and how we run elections. And, you know, the good thing is, is that not every Republican and not every Democrat or in this case, I guess, Republicans have, you know, been challenging this. But, you know, and and some people have spoke out against it. But at the end of the day, there's still 11, at least 11 lawmakers that plan on challenging it publicly. And, you know, I think we need to try to get on the same page here and how we run our elections. And I don't know, it's just been a, it's been a tough year for elections. We, you know, of course, in Ohio, we had our election uh, in the primaries, you know, postponed until April. And then there was just a big, you know, swell of, of resentment, I think, from, you know, the president about how that, you know, general election was going to go. He basically was saying that it was going to be rigged and fixed from the get-go. And there's just been no evidence presented to show that it has. And like you said, Chris, you know, you're going to get some stragglers that come in and, you know, do something bad and, and they get dealt with, you know, and they get dealt with pretty easily. But to suggest that you have thousands upon thousands of ballots that, have been illegally cast or that didn't count or people that were, you know, illegal immigrants voted or dead voted. It just, we just haven't seen that. I just, there's no evidence to suggest that there's anything other than the contrary that Joe Biden won the election. Brandon, for this to make sense, wouldn't there have to be, you would almost have to literally bring 11,000, not just saying let's find the votes because that's creepy as all get out. You're almost asking to create fraud, but to make this, believable don't you literally have to bring these eleven thousand people to court or you know wherever they're meeting to say hey you know hey my voting account right or i wasn't able to vote i mean you can't just say i heard of stuff right i mean what in a 
what real world would make it make sense to say, hey, maybe something fishy is going on here, other than I heard this somewhere, you know? I mean, to me, it's like, a, I, I don't know how to really answer that in that context, like how to make this, how to make an argument sound like credible or legitimate um, object from an objective point. I think the issue here is, is that it, it's just, it's, it's crazy uh, with yeah. how every state manages their own elections. And that's been like, you know, you know, as American and as American pie, because, you know, we, people have on particularly one side of the aisle have always said, you know, states' rights, states, you know, have a lot of leadway. Um, and so the criticism is, is they're saying this system has failed, that this way of, of electing our representatives is not working at the federal level, at least. Um, you know, I mean, in the terms of electing people to govern us at the federal level, um, but each state um, doing their own elections, doing it their own way, um, you know, whether they count absentee ballots before, um, before the election day, or they're at least doing their homework to make sure that these are credible or legitimate, um, ballots that wasn't done until election day, as we've, we've, uh, we've talked with folks about this, um, last year, uh, before the election, um, Ohio, for instance, you know, did, did their homework, they did their job, they counted their ballots, they certified them weeks out before um um the election day um and i'm saying when i'm using certified a little bit loosely i'm saying that they've done their they vetted them they vetted the ballots they haven't counted them but they vetted them then on election day they said okay we can now count them we've done we've checked to make sure these are valid voters here and of course ohio started out with oh this looks like a joe biden state nope it's it was it was non-competitive <laughs> and and right. whereas pennsylvania was the reverse it was you know, absentee ballots weren't none. None of the vetting took place. Then it swapped over to Biden's favor, and right. it was similar. It, it was a similar case in Georgia, but very got down to the wire. Um, well, and, don't know. yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's just it, it's a legitimate argument. I think if you raise the argument in June or July before election happens. You know what I mean? And, and then you could say, "Hey, let's see if that system works." Because here's the thought I have. What happens if Trump won the election? You know, rigged or not. Well, does he raise concerns? Probably not, because he won. You know what I mean? Even if well, it, that was that, that was the same that was the very same thing he said when I covered the election rally in Delaware in twenty sixteen. He says he said like I won't challenge um um the outcome of the election pause for dramatic effect uh, if I win. Right. Well, yeah, I think that way, and again, who knows? Maybe there's fraud. I mean, I'm not going to come out and say there definitely wasn't fraud because I don't know. I wasn't there, but, but, but it just doesn't make a convincing argument. He made is it's uh, it's that it's an organized, widespread effect that there's some organization, whether it's the Democrats or um, the deep state or 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 whatever group you want to throw in Antifa. That has mobilized or gone out to um, uh, do conduct voter fraud. I mean, I think that's the impl that's what's being implied here, or to some degree. Um, well, and, and you know that's and yet the court and as you said, as, as Craig's brought up, the court said, "Show me the evidence. Show right. me the proof." Um, well, and I think one thing that really frustrates me, and I'll say this, and let's get really real here for a second. Um, 
what frustrates me as a journalist is people sit here and our industry gets condemned and we, we get thrown in this deep state. And Brandon, there, there was a guy who was a cast member on this podcast for a couple of weeks that keeps contacting me saying, oh, you know, you're a deep state. You don't get it. You don't see the force between the trees. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, look, we make independent judgments. Now, is all of our judgments accurate? Or have we gotten it wrong? Yes, we're human beings. I mean, we're not, you know, perfect or whatever else the case might be. But, you know, I've been in this business long enough where we haven't had that discussion of, you know, oh, we're going to be, you know, slain or whatever. And I'll be honest with you, the closest we came to that was I was sitting in a newsroom in Maslin where one reporter who was very pro-Republican was yelling at me because I was covering a John Edwards rally. And that was a Republican guy. He said, oh, you shouldn't cover it. So, I mean, honestly, the closest I got to this media fix was actually the other way. So I, I, I just get offended where people all of a sudden are saying, oh, this is this big fix or whatever else. It's not. We're, we're, we're being objective. We're doing our best to try to sift through things. And honestly, okay, you might sometimes say, well, why is all these investigations with Trump going on? Well, that's the way he's chosen to operate his presidency. He wants to do things his own way. You know, buck the system, you know, do whatever you want. Well, when you do that, you're going to attract scrutiny. That's why there's been a ton of investigation. So, and honestly, guys, I think Trump's smarter than we think. I think Trump has used the media to help gain his popularity. You know, he needs a villain. So he, he attracts the, the villain. So. I don't know. Enough of that. Well, we need to talk about sports and pop culture because those are fun things. News can get a little bit frustrating at times. But I wanted to do a couple of just live announcements. Um, with this being our Highland podcast, we have a Patreon group. Now, guys, we've talked behind the scenes a lot and how we're making this operate. What we're doing is we have a Patreon page where you can become intimately involved in the show. If you want to suggest guests, topics, send the stories, anything else, become a Patreon. Uh, we'll throw up some news articles. We've been trying to post some press releases, a bunch of other stuff. Um, we can get, you know, some extra content and everything else. We're, we're trying to, have people support us. Um, we're going to get up at 6 a.m. every day. I'm looking at Brandon and Craig. They're both tired. Help them out. <laughs> make this work for a while. Help support. Become a patron. We'll make it work for a while. We'll try to throw up some fun stuff. Uh, do some, you know, I, I don't know. Give some extra ideas for what to do. But support us. Um, the link is on however you're taking in this page. Check us out. Become a patron. Help us out. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff, and again, you can become intimately involved with the show. Guys, I like podcasts. Um, there's not a lot of podcasts that will let me call the podcast and say, I want you to talk about this. You know, let me be on your personal page or anything. No, they're not going to do that because I'm just a fan. Well, we're asking you to do that, and for a small contribution, you be you can become our producers. It should be great, so... Become a Patreon and support us. It should be good. Um, sports. I don't want to go to sports because I'm a little peed that our first story. But, Craig, you're a sports guy, so uh, tell us about what's what happened over the weekend sports. Well, the Browns and Steelers uh, closed out the season in a, uh, a must-win for the Cleveland Browns. Not necessarily a must-win for the Steelers, so they had rested a few guys, a big, big Ben uh, included in that, and uh, Mason Rudolph got the start for the Steelers. Uh, we all know what happened last year between he and uh, Miles Garrett. Well, it didn't carry over, thankfully, to uh, yesterday's game, but the Browns did win. They got in the playoffs, a 24-22 victory. It was a little tight there at the end. But uh, Cleveland makes the playoffs for the first time since 2002. 
that was the year I graduated high school. So it's I was talking to my wife about it. It's been a while. Um, not that I'm a Browns fan, but uh, it's been quite a few years uh, for the Cleveland Browns. So they've ended their uh, playoff drought. Uh, and I think all is well in the state of Ohio and especially in Cleveland as the uh, Browns will now take on the Steelers again here in the uh, playoff wildcard round next week here on Sunday. Uh, should be a very uh, interesting game as they butt heads for the third time this season. Any thoughts on that, Chris? I know you're a, a Steelers fan, so well, uh, I don't know if you want to – we don't have a button for curse words, so just be careful. Oh, well, I, I try not to curse most of the time. But, um, well, let's, let me ask a couple questions because we, we got to keep the show moving. We're trying to make this part of the show 45 minutes. So let me ask a couple questions. I know you guys aren't huge Browns fans yourself. Did the Browns look good yesterday? No. Uh, be, be honest. Brandon, uh, d- I mean, it didn't seem like a stellar performance for the Browns. Am I wrong? I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but looking at the scoreline, I it, I would have to back uh, Craig's ass- uh, assessment. Right. And, and see, I guess what I'm saying, the, the Browns didn't look super great. Um, Pittsburgh, and, and again, the game really didn't mean anything to the Steelers. There was a small chance they could get the number two seed, but Buffalo went crazy. They killed Miami. Buffalo had the number two seed. So this game didn't mean much. They lost. And I hate the fact that the Steelers lost to the Browns. I, I'll tell you, I was a kid. Um, I, you guys probably don't remember this. Now I'm the old guy. Um, yeah, and just to give you guys a hint, I turned 46 tomorrow. Do you know how freaking frightening that is? <laughs> that is so bizarre. Brand's like, man, I'm with this old guy. <laughs> Brand's checking out. <laughs> Brand's like, man, 46 is too old. But, um, yeah, well, I remember there was a time when the Browns and Steelers used to get together in the offseason. This was like early 80s. And they would play basketball games or donkey basketball games. I hated it when the Browns beat the Steelers and stupid stuff like donkey basketball. So I hate this. But I, I guess bottom line, I – they competed hard. They didn't have that many of their guys. Mason Rudolph is not a great quarterback. He looked pretty good against the Browns. I'm feeling pretty good the fact that on Sunday night, um, you know, if Mason Rudolph makes the Browns secondary look bad, what's Big Ben going to do? And the defense, I think it's going to get better. I mean, the, the two best defenders were gone. So hey, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about Steelers' win. I want to promise but it'll be good the thing that's going to suck is this game's at 8 15 at night and we're doing this podcast at six in the morning so i don't know what i'm going to do next monday morning guys it's gonna be rough yeah it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting battle i mean obviously the browns are still kind of dealing with covid um you know i know joe hayden had a had a covid uh was on the covid list as well so it's going to be interesting to see if both teams are healthy going in I think you've got to give the edge to the Steelers based on how they looked healthy and everybody playing against uh, the Browns in the first matchup. Um, I'd like to think that they'd probably open up as like maybe like a four and a half point favorite or something like that. Um, So I I would imagine the Steelers have a leg up, but you never know. It's the playoffs. If the Browns get hot, anybody can get hot in the playoffs. And, you know, look at Tennessee last year, um, you know, and the Browns have been a buzzsaw against certain teams. I mean, they just ran right through the Colts when they played the Colts earlier this year and, you know, it'll be an interesting matchup, but I kind of think the Steelers are probably the favorite at this point. Brandon Browns have any chance on Sunday? Not sure. I think um, they've had a better season than probably in a long time. Um, not having done any homework or research on this, but um, 
I know it's funny. Uh, one of you guys earlier got a reaction from your spouse. Like I, I told my wife, like, "Oh, Browns clinched a playoff berth yesterday uh, since 2002." She's like, "Great, I don't care." Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> my, my my wife cares smartly, and I tried to talk to her, and she it was almost like you know, you're eh, yeah, that's nice, whatever. I mean, she feigned interest, but it was almost more offensive. She feigned interest. Anything else? Um, yeah, you know, one other thing, Brandon, about the the um, Steelers COVID cases, Joe Hayden, who is very well known as a former Brown, they were at a birthday party, I heard. And everybody at the birthday party, one guy got COVID and a couple other guys on the team were exposed. So, you know, the Steelers weren't just without Joe Hayden, they were without um, Eric Ebron, their tight end, and um, Cassius Marsh, I believe, was the linebacker they just signed, so. Yeah, those birthday parties. I'll tell I you. Don't, I don't you like, be as a Lions fan, I don't like hearing the name the name Eric Ebron though. It's uh, yeah, still a sore subject for me on his uh, stone hands. I, I'm not even sure if I like Eric Ebron. So he said some nice things, but yeah, he's had he a better been, a direction of a career in Pittsburgh. That's for sure. Yeah, but he hasn't been exactly who I hoped he would be. Uh, but Brandon, you're not giving the Browns more support because the Haslam's own them, which obviously are the owners of the MLS Cup champs. The crew does that make you more of a Browns fan that your your guys are the owners? It's just hard to be. Uh, pro- professional football fan when you're so used to watching a soccer match without very little commercial breaks. Oh. Go on and watch a Browns game and boom, commercial. Okay, play. Boom, commercial. I just, I'm spoiled. But, um, you know, um, I- I'll root for Browns. I love an underdog. I think that's, the moment you become a champion, it's just boring because then they're just clock when you're like crushing and it's just like, I don't know, people get people enjoy it. I kind of I kind of see that with a little bit of the high State football, but um, um, you know, Rooting for uh, the Browns on a successful playoff run. Um, and, um, you know, I think the Haslam's, it's great to see the Haslam's because they've been right through the coals over, yeah. over how they've handled the t- franchise. Um, so maybe I, I was joking to my kind of to myself saying, well, you know, maybe that's what they needed to do buy a soccer team and they'll be great at American football. That's, that's right. the key for any franchise. Go out, talk, call, call up MLS call, or any other professional soccer franchise and um that'll that'll be the key to a super bowl playoff is uh that kind of magic there (laughs) well and good to have them save the crew but calm down the browns stuff you you know browns (laughs) be browns lose on on sunday night jeez we may have to do this podcast for next monday after the game you guys probably won't stay up to watch the game but we gotta figure something out because next monday could be a very rough morning especially if they lose now if the Steelers win i'll be tired but at least I'll be okay. Can you imagine if the Steelers lose and we're doing this at six? It, it could be grumpy. This could be a really rough next Monday morning. Um, I want to make sure we get to the pop culture, Craig. So let's um, – Ohio State won on Friday. We you know we know that. I mean, we had on a couple days ago. Quickly tell us um, – I had a story on there about this dude that placed the bet. Yeah, um, the Indiana man, uh, name unknown, placed a uh, $1.3 million bet on Ohio State, who was uh, 7.5-point underdogs against the Clemson Tigers. So no one really expected Ohio State to win. Well, of course, as we know, 49-28 later, Buckeyes get a three-touchdown victory over the Clemson Tigers, the team that just has been a thorn in their side here lately. And uh, the payout was $2.4 million, so a pretty cool uh, $2.4 million going to the Indiana man, uh, according to FanDuel. So a huge 
payout. Uh, I've never been on a game, football, basketball, baseball, pro, college, anything like that. Not sure if you guys have, but uh, that's a pretty nice payday. Uh, for a, a, First of all, it's a big payday because the guy had a, a million three lying around to bet, but uh, nice payout for the Indiana man. I, I'm not pro betting. I, I don't want to endorse betting, but what kind of stones would you have to have to have that much faith in the hot state to put 1.3 million? I mean, you can sit there and say, hey, I'm a big fan. Um, you know, big nut, you know, you can catch our episode with big nut along with this today. And big nut was all excited too, that Ohio state won, but man, Brandon, 1.3 million of faith in anything. I mean, forget Ohio state. Uh, where are you going to bet 1.3 million on and be confident about it? I mean, that's, that takes a lot of stones. I have that much faith in anything, right? I'm probably, um, you know, just thought, oh, the Clemson coach, you know, ranked Ohio State 11th. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. That, yes. All that means the the it's a that debt. That's like the one probably guys like yep, going to put place uh, 1.3 million, um, just like because that's how everyone's over, underestimating um, Ohio State very much. So, so um, it's been a very strange season for them, uh, for Ohio State. So, you know. Uh, season wasn't going to happen. Then it did happen. Then the Michigan game is didn't happen at all. But then still had a conference championship match. Um, there was just a lot of unknowns and made him kind of a bit of a, a mystery in this season. So now we have a definitely an idea of what kind of team Ohio State was. So. Um, uh, that's just that's a fun story. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to start ripping people, but you know, hey, you know, we're a podcast, we got to get some traction and attention. And as Brandon reminded me, I had the wrong logo on the screen. Uh, we're the Ohioan. Brandon helped me out, and we we have the right podcast. Uh, let's speak some ill about Indiana, Brandon. Who in who the heck in Indiana has one point three million dollars? Like, I'm trying to figure out who that is. I'm not sure how many people have that much money in Indiana. I don't even know. I can't yeah, even. I, I can't even remember any any notable person or or like, um, maybe a, one of the Indianapolis Colts or Pacers. I mean, like, I'm I'm, re- I'm really sitting here. Trying, yeah, I'm sure somebody has 1.3 million. I'm just kidding, obviously. But my goodness, I, I mean, you know, if you said it was a Columbus man, you might say all oh, the Wexners or you know some well-known rich guy. But man, Indiana, who's got that money? Maybe it's a uh, former Ohio State graduate and. Uh living in Indianapolis or something and just said, you know, love my Buckeyes. They're going to win. Here's $1.3 million that I have lying around or, you know, who knows? Well, well, come on, Indiana, man. You got to support our podcast. And if you give us some money, we will say whatever. We can be bought advertising wise. It will be fun. Let's go. Come on. Uh, So what else you got, uh, Craig, in sports? I want to make sure we get through this quick. Yeah. Uh, Kind of piggybacking off of Ohio State, uh, former coach Urban Meyer has been linked to the Jacksonville Jaguars job. Uh, They're expected to fire Doug Marone, their head coach, and the Jags may be looking at Urban Meyer as a potential target. And if he passes, they may even look at Ryan Day, the current Ohio State coach, as a potential target. Uh, Any thoughts on either of those, uh, a former or current Buckeye coach, maybe taking over the lowly Jacksonville Jaguar uh, franchise? I'll be honest, and let's be honest. We're going to be here five days a week. I'm not a huge Ohio State fan. I mean, hey, I live in Columbus, so go Ohio State. But I don't get quite as caught up. But, Brandon, it was funny. Our our Big Nut interview last night, I mentioned that to Big Nut, especially Ryan Day. And you you thought I 
Big Knight had a kind of an evil glare in his face when I, I mentioned about Ryan Day possibly leaving for Jacksonville. He didn't <laughs> like that. Yeah, um, I'm a little surprised about the Day news actually, but I, I, and I think Day is still kind of, I mean, he's just you know, a couple seasons in. I, I don't know. I, I think I don't buy it, but um, and I don't know. And I guess there's always still this um, weird, weird barrier towards. Um, college football and professional football um, just in terms of recruiting in terms of some of the rules. Um, I don't know. I mean, there, the transfer is not impossible. It's happened before, but I just, I, I think the urban mind pick is more fascinating. I think that, you know, Jackson Jaguars, I don't, I don't really um, are just one of those teams, like probably like our Browns, you know, just like um, probably not much success. So I don't know. It, it you know, so it's almost like a, to get some media attention or some attraction, you go for a, a real sexy pick on the coach. Not, not just, not really a player, but the coach. It's all about the coach. So that's how I interpret this move. There well, was speculation, I, possibly. Yeah, I can't see Ryan Day happening. I mean, you're at Ohio State, one of the biggest college jobs in the country. NFL coaches, you're spending 20 hours a day working. And it's one thing if you have a really great team you're going to. Jacksonville's not that great team. So they would have to unleash money. I'm not saying like double what he's making Ohio State. I mean they would have to pay a ton of money where you're like, oh my gosh, I have to accept. But Jacksonville stinks. Um uh, Urban Meyer though, I mean it's gotta be a little offensive to Ohio State because you know he quit because he had you know health concerns and everything else and you know, so he's you know he's teaching right now Ohio State and everything. If you have health concerns, you don't want to be an NFL coach, right? Yeah, I mean the stress the stress of the NFL job. You're you're going from Ohio State where Urban Meyer had eighty five scholarship players. He probably you could argue had is you know first round picks so to speak on that team at Ohio State where he could just grab from anywhere in the country that he wanted you know the best players out there not just in Ohio to go into the NFL where you get one one first round pick now yeah Jacksonville has the first overall pick but you're talking about needing to build a 53 man roster and it's going to be a tough sell I think for Urban Meyer who doesn't like losing had health issues didn't really handle the stress as well at Ohio State. How's he going to handle all of that going to the NFL where stress is going to be, you know, the first thing you obtain in the NFL. You're working 20 hours a day probably. You're on a team that's – even if they're better next year, they're probably still going to lose eight, nine, ten games. It, it just it doesn't add up for me. Ryan Day would make more sense because he's the young up-and-coming coach. I think I, I saw something where someone said he's like a more personable Urban Meyer, so he's kind of like Urban Meyer, where you can recruit the the crap out of everybody, and he's a great mind, but he he can handle the stress. He's younger; he doesn't have the health issues. I just think it's a weird step for Urban Meyer. I would have been less surprised had he taken the Texas job, for instance, in college rather than an NFL job. It just to me, it doesn't make sense for Urban but Meyer. But honestly, let's say for what it is, it damages his credibility because when you sit there and say, "Oh, I have health concerns," and you know, family, 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 don't coach again. Now, reading between the lines, you know, the year he quit was that year where they had all the kerfuffle with his wide receiver coach and everything. And right. remember, he had days where he had the trustees meeting, and they were like, man, you better quit. And they're like, what? He's like, what? Uh, he was, and he ended up being suspended. He didn't even think he was going to be suspended. Well, 
say it's that. Say, look, you know, I, I love Ohio State, but your trustees are getting on my nerves. I'm out. You know, don't sit here and say, oh, I have health concerns and everything, and then come back and say, hey, I'm going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar head coach. And, you know, even if he's a University of Texas head coach, or even if he's a head coach of Upper Arlington, the, the local high school up here, I mean, just say it for what it is. I mean, it would be like if I quit my job right now and said, oh, I'm sick of working one weekend shift, and I go to McDonald's and work, you know, every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. It's like, okay, you're lying. You know, there's <laughs> something right. else going on. And, you know, Urban Meyer's a nice guy. I don't want to make news by screaming Urban Meyer, but, you know, don't say crap and do the opposite thing. It's kind of frustrating. I, I will say real quick before we get to pop culture, Brandon, it's kind of interesting. Um, Justin Fields, if you follow the NFL draft, uh, Justin Fields has had kind of a rocky year. There's a couple um, times where they say it was going to go really down the first round. Um, he was outstanding on Friday night, and Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the number one pick. It's kind of interesting. Justin Fields might be your number one pick now. And Trevor Lawrence, the the guy kind of went down because he had a rough you know, draft. I mean, a, a rough sugar bowl. So, is that going to affect the draft stats? Should be interesting. So, let's quickly. I, I want to mention a couple of pop culture things before we get there. As we said before, definitely check out our podcast. There's a lot of links in the podcast where you can check our sponsors, uh, Chase Bank. Again, separate account, tiny direct deposit, you get 200 bucks. You get money for listening to us. No better thing. And also check out Manly Man Company. Um, uh, we, have, we have Ashley Furniture. Um, yeah, a lot of ways if you connect, it helps it helps our podcast. So connect with our sponsors. And if you want to become a sponsor, let us know. Uh, I actually put terms up on our website, um, viewfromthep.club. Check us out. You can get mentioned on the show. You get links on our, our stories and everything else. Check it out. Just contact me if you have any questions, and we'll go from there. Um, guys, a couple quick pop culture. I want to make sure we got here in, in decent time. The great Larry King has COVID. Um, Brandon, you're, you're one of the younger guys here. Are you younger than Craig? I'm 36, so probably oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 20, I'm 28. So. Yeah, Brad's younger. Man, Brad. uh, are, are you a Larry King guy? Uh, I mean, yeah. Larry King's old. I mean, have you ever checked out the original Larry King? Who? Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm familiar with Larry King. And, you know, um, I mean, I was I was even there when he, you know, called, not there, but, you know, didn't watch it, but of course, You're pay attention to news or whatever, he, you know, tiring or whatever. And then, they tried that experiment with uh, Pierce Morgan to take over. Which, where did that go? But um, yeah, nowhere. Uh, <laughs> nowhere. But um, yeah, definitely. I guess that makes him irreplaceable in that sense. But um, you know, he's in that demographic, um, and it's just kind of oh, entertainment media is just like oh, Larry King because it's just you know right. personality that you have to mention. Um, um, well, if he got COVID, you definitely report that. So it's just like, you know, open he get recovers quickly, I guess, because um, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Well, and, and you know, Larry's had a couple of life. I think he's had eight wives. And <laughs> Larry's, there's been a lot happening with Larry. I I was a kid when Larry was kind of popular in CNN, so I really wasn't watching a ton of CNN stuff. But I got to say, I don't think he was a greatest interviewer, but I think – 
it was fascinating because it was like, I think 9 p.m. on CNN, you bring in this famous person, he, he talks to them. And you look at our media now, oftentimes we'll write stories based on something crazy a famous person might say or something compelling. We need that show back on late night TV, uh, just a straight interview show. Because can you imagine if we had like a Larry King now on like CNN at nine o'clock, you know, he brings in a big star or a politician. They'll be breaking news out of that and everything else. I mean, I think he was kind of ahead of his time the way he was doing there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I do remember his old show and, you know, now he's probably mostly known to people, whether it's us or people younger than us for the uh, that 3 a.m testosterone pill that he sells or whatever that he sponsors. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very odd to have, you know, just a straight hard news interview like that, especially on one of the, you know, 24 seven news channels probably would be a little bit refreshing if we had something like that. But uh, I think these days you see various people get, you know, pulled for interviews. You probably don't see, you know, many celebrities anymore, except for, you know, Jimmy Kimmel or John, you know, Jimmy Fallon or, you know, something like that. But yeah, it would be interesting to see, you know, something like that sort of as a change of pace. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think there's some interest. Um, you got YouTube and we don't have time to do it today, but you got YouTube, some of Larry uh, King's mistakes. There was a famous one where you interviewed Jerry Seinfeld. It was a year after the show went off the air and Larry seemed a little bit confused on who Jerry was. Uh, he was confused about why. I mean, Seinfeld, they said, hey, we don't want to do it anymore. And Larry thought that it was canceled. And it was kind of a funny back and forth between King and Seinfeld. It was pretty good. Um, more sad news. Uh, this pop culture, I want to give some fun news, but we got more into death of Don Wells. Now, this is probably before Craig's time, but it's definitely before my time. Um, Gilligan's Island. We, uh, do you guys watch Gilligan's Island reruns in your lives at all? <clears throat> well, back in when uh, when I was going to school, there would be probably reruns of the show in the mornings. You watch it before you have to head over to um, <clears throat> uh, uh, head over to school. For my for my for my experience, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, my uh, family, you know, got me into the watching those kind of shows and also Mash. But, Mash is still, you know, it's funny. I was covering a school board meeting like a couple of years back, and this is like probably Generation Z. And this one student's like, you know, oh, I love watching Mash. I'm like, well, like it's just kind of crazy how some of these kind of shows still stick around. But um, yeah, uh, definitely well, have watched. Well, we're sad to report the death of you know Don Wells, who was uh, Marianne on the show. Um, were you guys Marianne or Ginger? That was always a debate with old people that watch the show. Were they more attracted to Marianne or Ginger? Did you guys have a uh, Marianne? Okay. Childhood me would say Ginger, but I, twenty-year-old uh, me, would say Marianne. <laughs> I would probably do the same thing because you know you're attracted to different things at different times. But yeah, sad to see she died. I, I really didn't know much about what else she did. I mean, and I think, you know, being Marianne was her claim to fame, but it's tough. And, you know, they said it was complications from COVID. Um, I'm not sure if that was it or if there's some other things that COVID didn't help, but COVID's real, man. And it's tough to see. And I know, um, you know, Larry King's an older guy. You know, thankfully, Larry's still alive. We, we pray for the best for him. Um, and Don Wells is older, but, man, we got to take COVID seriously. I guess that's what I wanted to bring up from this, so. Very good. Um, 
a couple other things. I hate to leave you guys on downer. I mean, pop culture should be fun. And there's all this depressing crap happening uh, over the weekend that was, you know, kind of rough. Um, you know, the other thing, uh, Ken Jennings of Jeopardy was apologizing for insensitive tweets. Guys, Ken Jennings wants to be Alex Trebek. And I, I think this is more of Ken Jennings is covering his butt that if he becomes the next Alex Trebek, that people don't get, you know, ticked off at him. I mean, do you guys see anything else here? You know, it's hard to it's hard to say. I, I don't think this is going to, you know, impact his status. I mean, right now he's sort of the interim host of Jeopardy, and I know that they've talked about giving other people some time as well. So, you know, if he does a good job, I think he's going to get the gig. Honestly, um, you know, he's a he's still a popular guy. Um, he's done other shows. He's going to have the Chase program coming up, the remake of the UK series. Um, so, I, I just think that. It's it's terrible to, to see what he you know said because I actually you know have family members that are um, you know disabled so it's not it, you know I don't take that very lightly at all but um, you know understanding that people make mistakes and you know you can't probably apologize enough for things that you say but um, hopefully he's contrite in his apology and and maybe we can move forward and you know maybe not forget but you know can maybe forgive for to a certain degree. Well, it won't pressure us a little bit, and we all say dumb stuff for our lives on social media. So I, I don't want to, you know, nitpick stuff he said. But at the same point, I, I just didn't like the fact that he was doing this right as he was up for the Jeopardy gig. Like if Ken Jennings became an Arby's, you know, front desk clerk, I don't think Ken Jennings is apologizing for insensitive tweets. But it seems like when Jennings is up for a big gig, it's like, okay, I'm covering my butt. I'm not doing all this other stuff, and right. I don't know it's tough. So. Guys, I apologize. I need to bring tomorrow. I'm going to bring some better, fun pop culture. Not all of our favorite celebrities having COVID and Ken Jennings apologizing uh, for weird tweets. The the, the weirdest one. There's one mention story I talked about. There's nothing sadder than a hot girl in a wheelchair. And it's like, come on, Ken, you're better than this. It's tough. So, hey, uh, tomorrow um, we will have another guest. There'll be a tape guest. We'll release the episode, that part of the episode, separately. Um, I think we're going to put on George Thomas of the Acrobeca Journal. I've got an interview with him later today. Um, Brandon, he's going to talk to us about Wonder Woman 1984. Um, he wrote kind of. He was a little critical of the movie. Have you seen that yet? Yes, I have seen Wonder Woman 1984. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, probably like a thumbs like slanted to, a little more to the down. Okay. Uh, I can't uh, even see on the screen probably, but yes. more that there was definitely like it was more it was drama. You you can't you come in thinking you're gonna see some action superhero flick, uh, kind of like in the same vein as the first one, but you kind of got more of a drama out of this. Right. That's all I can say off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, and, and George will tell us more. I posted a review of him from the Beacon Journal. He'll talk about that. And also, George is going to give me my comeuppance. Uh, George is on the Cleveland Browns team that covers the Browns up there. And George and I used to work together for the News Herald. I made a mistake one day at the News Herald of coming in a Steelers coat. And George started screaming at me because I wore a Steelers coat. So George and I are Facebook friends. And every time I reach out to George, George talks about the whiny Steelers. So I guess we're going to have to talk a little bit of Browns and Steelers stuff too. Uh, later in the week um, we'll have uh, Joe Frost 
of our sewage podcast um, recording with him. We're going to kind of break down the, the sewage losing the Browns and what's going to happen next week. Uh, and Brandon, we didn't get to this. Let's talk about this tomorrow. Um, yeah, Governor DeWine was on CNN with Jake Tapper, and Governor DeWine was uh, kind of chastised by Tapper. Uh, DeWine was trying to explain away some of what President Trump's doing. And you brought that to our attention. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, just again, kind of, uh, I think people take people's ultimate takeaway from that was uh, just kind of like how the Republican Party is trying to react to um, the scrutiny of our elections, I guess is one way to put it. Um, you know, and some people have kind of criticized DeWine for kind of really kind of uh, being an enabler, I guess, of these of the Trump's position. Um, you know, I don't, I think the position that Portman and DeWine have taken about needing to be in, there's some needs to be some commission or about elections and voter security. I don't think that's necessarily bad and inherently in of itself. I think definitely need to have a conversation about how we do elections going forward. Um, right. You know, do we want to like, cause we, we done this kind of what that, cause what's the, Plus, what's being implied is, you know, do we want to do like the TSA model of airport security, but for elections? I have not heard one good thing about the TSA over the years. Though, right. so if anyone ever proposed getting rid of it, I we will all be like, no. Um, but do we need to do something like that for our elections, which are now, as no. I say, handled by states or something, something, some hybrid model? You know, that's that's a conversation worth having, though. Yeah, and. Yeah, I think DeWine got caught in a trap. DeWine was the head of Trump's oh, yeah. election thing in Ohio. And DeWine, and I, I won't make any value judgments with DeWine, but I think he's a loyal enough guy where he's not going to say, this guy stinks. You know, he wants to try to support the guys he supports. But, you know, throughout this whole COVID stuff, you know, DeWine's taking some different positions. And, you know, him and Trump have an interesting relationship. Love have the wind on sometime and ask him. I'm not sure if he would be totally honest about, it, but it's a fascinating relationship because I think they get along, but at the same time they don't get along. So I don't know. It's kind of funny. All right. Well, hey, thanks, guys. It's our our first Ohioan podcast, and what we're hoping. Um, we have this on live on my social media network, so you can watch us live if you want, 6 a.m., but we're going to be releasing this as a podcast hopefully in the next 20 minutes or so. So this is kind of like your one-stop morning newscast. So if you want to know what's happening in Ohio and points across, check us out. Let us know what you think, um, and thank you for checking our podcast out again tomorrow, uh, talking more news, sports, and pop culture. Um, in Ohio and otherwise, uh, George Thomas from the Akabeek Journal will have him on as well. Thank you, guys. Uh, we got to invest in coffee. I think we all need that after today. But thanks for checking us out. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you, guys.